brain streams with Uncle Chuck. Murmurs of a medicated mind. From my brain to your ears, brain strains is my podcast on a wide range of thoughts and ideas, usually occurring while medicated. Whether a eureka moment, past memory, or an amazing encounter, I will bring you into my personal thoughts regarding life and cannabis and everything in between. Fair warning, though. My thoughts on brain strains are typically unfiltered and given in the firm belief that we may just have to agree to disagree. But welcome aboard, roll a joint, and buckle up. You're on Brain Strains. Welcome to Brain Strains. This is your host, Uncle Chuck. This episode, we're talking about race and how it, for me anyway, how I um, connect that with cannabis. Almost everything you hear on Brain Strains is going to be cannabis related. And a lot of times all we talk about is the cannabis itself or the laws around it um, and obviously sometimes the medication. But we really talk about other things and and how they tie to cannabis. And the very important part of race relationships, in my opinion, is um, how you're treated around law enforcement. And what I mean that is, does everybody always get an equal shake? When it's the same crime, same situation, the only difference between one suspect and another suspect is color, is there really a difference in how it's handled from a law enforcement level and I think the answer is a bunch and the example I, sh- I share with people is the data that I've seen from my research with the crime bill from 1994 um, or 95 but it was central in my opinion in widening the um, the race debate because by by its um, passing, it actually put so many more minorities in jail, and and not just in jail, but in the situation with the three strikes that you're out type amendments to the bill that literally devastated communities, minority communities. Um, so, and and the reason I bring cannabis into that conversation, of course, is a vast majority of the people that were incarcerated under that bill were incarcerated for no other reason than because they had cannabis, possession of cannabis, sold it, bought it, um, distributed it. But it would, in the end of the day, a large majority, and you're seeing, and you're seeing that by some of the cities now coming out with mass releases based on cannabis. You're, you'll hear like in the thousands. Well, that means they had in the thousands arrested for just cannabis. So think about that. Every city that comes out and says, they're doing such a great thing because they're going to release so many thousands of people um, from prison because all they had on them was a cannabis um, 
crime, so to speak. Well, what that also says is you guys had that many people in jail because based just on cannabis. Um, so there should be a little bit of outrage there. Not that people are being released for it, because they should be released. They should never have been put in jail in the first place. But there should be some outrage on the fact that there were that many in jail in the first place. And I get it that if it's a law, you break the law, you do the crime. You do the crime, you do the time, right? That's the old saying. But people were talking about a plant. And I understand everybody's preconceptions of cannabis from watching Cheech and Shaw movies and 70s shows and, God forbid, a 1980s after-school special. But that's not what's... Um, what cannabis is about. It really is not. Um, and to have a whole uh, group of minorities just incar- really incarcerated because of a plant is, is mind-boggling to me. Um, when you say something slow enough and long enough, people believe it to be true. And they did that with cannabis prohibition, um, the war on drugs, period. And somehow they were able to convince the, the majority of the public that the things you buy at a pharmacy that was created in a lab is okay, but the thing that you grow and that has, and that has been grown for 10,000 years is somehow so harmful that if we catch you with it, we're going to throw you in a cage. I don't know how we would have to degrade as a society to get to the level to accept that. But we did. Now, we're revert- people like me and friends of mine are re- trying to reverse that, and cities are doing it. The sad part is, in my opinion, the reversal's really coming from the standpoint of how much money they can make. It's about tax money. I wish you, you, I could sit there and tell you that I would think most of these communities are doing this out of the goodness of their own heart or because they knew it was wrong to begin with. But some of them make no, no bones about it. It's about tax money. And so be it. If that's what it takes to get people out of jail for something they should have been in jail with in the first place and keep people from being thrown in jail in the future over something they shouldn't be thrown in jail for in the first place. If we have to do that for the tax route, fine. Um, but back on the, the conversation about race itself, too. Here's, here's my big dilemma that I can't seem to jump across, and I fight with this... I'm a fairly big news junkie and I'm a fairly big history buff and I try to put the two together all the time when I make uh, decisions on how I feel about one stance or another. Um, I'm not the person who subscribes to the fact that you have to stand behind everything that is a Republican stance because you're a Republican or Democrat if you're a Democrat or independent if you're neither. Um I'm not a firm believer of you have to go with a big group just because you're part of that group. If something's wrong, it's wrong. It doesn't matter if that's the group's vote or not. So with that said, though, um, I hear a lot of conversations about different organizations, different hashtags. Um, if you're not part of this, then you must be against that. Uh, that's a dangerous way to think, but here's my my take on what's going on with the race um, card, so to speak. And again, it's election year, so everything that happens is is intensified and magnified, and and just thrown out there at ten times what it would be if it wasn't an election year. So with that said, I truly don't think that every police officer gets up in the morning and says, you know what. 
I'm going to go out and shoot a black person. What I do have, think that happens is some police departments have racist chiefs with um, that, that believe uh, one race is better than another based on their color. Or maybe not chiefs, but captains in charge of certain units. So when it's an anth- a incident occurs that would normally be handled in one way in a level uh, mindset, since one of the police officers has a bias against a minority, when it already gets accelerated based on whatever else is happening, whether it's a car chase, a robbery, whatever, um, and it gets it gets elevated. Whether they do it on purpose or they do it just because it's um, when things get elevated and things get agitated, people just kind of go with their raw emotions. Well, if his raw emotion is, or her raw emotion is, a thought pattern to a minority that's just not what it should be. They think they're less than them or something like that. That stuff comes out when you're in an intense moment, right? So that's what I think you're seeing the majority of the time is officers who do have a bias based on on race. And in the heat of the moment when things happen, regardless if it's the victim's um, own bringing or the overzealous officer, but when it gets to that heated moment, then all the facade drops and they become who they really are. If the officers are racist, that's when it's going to come out. I also think that people in certain police units probably know that there's an officer in their group that's a that's going to be in that situation soon and out of pride for the unit or we look after each other or whatever kind of label you want to put on it they don't say anything so i think this combination of those two things i also think it's a matter of better hiring practices because You can be a bad waitress or waiter. You can be a bad technician to install a cable. You can be a bad uh, technician that puts oil in people's cars and you're going to screw something up or you're going to make somebody's day bad or whatever. You can't use the bad apple example when it comes to law enforcement. There has to be zero tolerance in that. If you have the power to wield a weapon and detain somebody just by saying you're detained, that position has to be absolute and it has to be a position where you cannot hold somebody differently based on the race, their race. That's my opinion. It may be, and it may be a thing that you can never get to, but that should be a goal of every law enforcement unit out there, regardless if it's local, city, state, county, federal. No position that allows you to detain another human being. No occupation that allows you to detain another human being should allow members of that occupation to be able to hold a um, less than favorable thought pattern over somebody who's not their race. I'll say it as friendly as I can say it. If you're a racist, you do not need to be in one of those positions. Go be a fry cook somewhere or a plumber or something like that. But there's certain positions in society that those kind of people with that with that kind of mindset should not have. And if you're armed and you're in that position, that's part of the problem. So we need to be able to call call those out as they are. But on the other side, when people get, you know, the, here's the frustrating part for me. 
when something like that happens and I and it's a minority that gets shot and killed by a police officer of any color, the first thing I hear is, well, they're killing black people again. Well, there's circumstances up on that conflict that happened. Not saying that somebody is, should have been shot over it, but I'm sure there's circumstances around that conflict that happened. And I don't think the officer involved woke up that day and said, I'm going to go kill somebody from a minority. Now, I, I don't say that it's never happened because I actually have heard recordings of officers making a joke about, now we got to go shoot some people like this and shoot people like that. I'm not saying that never happens, but the majority of the time, I don't think as a unit, law enforcement goes out there and said, let's go kill a minority today. So, so why I say that is, the best way for a positive change is positive conversation. And we never get the positive conversation when we assume the cops are racist and we assume that the person that got shot's um, a criminal when we assume, you know, the first thing I see people do when when somebody gets a minority gets shot by a by a, uh, somebody with law enforcement is they go Google to make sure to see if they had a, a criminal record, as if that mattered, you know, it may have mattered in the fact of what brought them to that encounter, but it absolutely doesn't matter when you're talking about somebody just got killed. Well, let's go see if they were a criminal. That those two shouldn't go together. It, it shouldn't be a well. Let's see if they deserve to be killed. Again, with the crime bill, a lot of people were criminals for a long time, and in some states they still are, just because they have cannabis. Doesn't mean you deserve to die. Um, so that's kind of where my, my, my rock and hard place is when I talk about um, race relations in today's world and law enforcement and cannabis and how they all intertwine Um I don't think you could have a conversation about the crime bill or racism without including an incarceration of uh, people for cannabis. I, I, they have to go. That conversation has to happen at the same time, or it's not a legitimate conversation, in my opinion. Again, some cities and states are doing better about releasing people from jail if that was their only conviction. And making sure that people don't go into jail in the go in jail in the future for possession of cannabis, um, but you still need to be screaming because the fact that there was that many people arrested to begin with is heinous, and the fact that some states still and Congress to this week has has basically said we don't think it's a good idea to make cannabis legal right now. They're they're so they're basically saying we don't think that this is a time where citizens can decide on them by themselves. Because the majority of states have decided that they do want to make it legal for whatever reason. Some I'm sure were for medical, but some are for taxes. It is what it is, but at least some states are making that stride to make it to where people don't go to jail for it. But on the federal level, nobody in these really cushy federal positions like a senator or a congressman seems to give a crap about the majority of the population who says they're ready for this to be a non-illegal activity. Think about that. When you said you got to vote, this is a voting year, vote's coming up, you need to be voting on somebody who's okay with you making your own decisions. And I think that will tie into a lot when it's a benefit when we talk about race relationships. Once you became legal cannabis users and 
you see so many people who were thrown in jail before and then families becoming single parents, families, based on that one arrest, it'll change a lot of things if we can just get over that part and get cannabis. I want cannabis to be regulated the same as lettuce. I don't think it should be regulated. I think it should be able to grow just like any other produce. But we are a long way from there. Uh, but that's my opinion. That's my unfiltered, unbiased opinion like I advertise. Anyway, I'm going to go. I do appreciate you guys joining me tonight. Um, and just listen to my rants. I'll be doing this often. My uh, podcast, Brain Strains, is all about me just jumping on, giving you my thought of the day. Unfiltered, unbiased, and unapologetic. But to always know I do it out of love, and I hope you guys receive it the same way. And with that, I'll leave you for the night. Peace out.